Lots of times when you go in and you join a new gym, they will give you a couple of introductory kind of personal training lessons. They'll hook you up with somebody, and they, they don't do anything really big. They just kind of walk you through, show you how to use the equipment, make sure you're not going to hurt yourself, make sure you don't kind of make yourself look buffoonish or anything. They kind of make sure you don't look, look, look like a fool. They kind of help you out and kind of help you get oriented and kind of help you show you how to, how to train, how to, how to get yourself in better shape. I want you to think of this message as kind of like a, uh, an orientation to a gym, an orientation to training. I want to I show you how you can train yourself for godliness. This week and next week we'll be looking at that and talking about what does it look like to train or to, to, to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now just like with a gym, sometimes people sign up, sometimes people sign up in January and they make it almost into the middle of February, and then they kind of keep paying all through the year, but they don't really show up. You know, that's, that's, that's not really what the gym is for. There are some people who just kind of show up at the gym, and they're not really there to train. They're not really there to discipline themselves. They're there to socialize or get out of the house or, or something like that. Some people go to church that way. People join church that way, and they kind of, that's not really what church is for. Church is for training toward godliness. And we don't, have a, we don't have a discipleship program here. Discipleship or training or, or the goal of maturity is woven into everything that we do here. From the very beginning that, that our, our meetings start, the way that our, our church gatherings start, they are intended to train you for the purpose of godliness, for you to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Every, every study that we do, every, every book that we give away, every, every kind of structure that we have is intended to, to, to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ and present them to God as mature. We want to see people train and mature and, and get godly and, and grow righteous. In the ways that God has, has given us. Think that some of us are a little flabby and unfit when it comes to godliness. I think that there are, I think there are happy exceptions in our church. Where there are people who are really training and, and really disciplining themselves for the purpose of godliness. I praise God for that. But I think... Training for godliness is an expectation that is for every Christian and for every committed church member. For every church member. I shouldn't say committed. Church member means to be committed. I think for every believer, it is an expectation that we can, we can all have of ourselves and of those. So I, I want us to, hopefully, I'm, my perception might be wrong, but I, I want us to move from training for godliness and disciplining ourselves for godliness from being the exception to being the regular pattern of every person in our church, every believer in our church, that we're disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Now today we're going to start in one simple passage in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. read this a couple of times for us. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. Look there at the beginning of that first verse. That's what it says. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, 
train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I'm going to read it again because I want us to focus on this. I want us to think about this. Look there in the, in the middle of verse 7 where it says, rather. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value of, or of a little value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So that, look there at, the, at, that first, at that sentence in verse 7 where it says, train yourself for godliness. That's that word, train is a word that we would recognize it from the original languages. So it's, it's gymnazde, from which you could get words like gymnasium or gymnastics. Hold the idea of those who are training for the Olympics. Not just the Olympics today, but like the Olympics that they actually had then. It would be the, be the people who would gather together, strip off all their clothes, and train together. They would work hard together. Because they're going to compete that's, what they, that's their idea. Is that the idea here is you're going to train, you're going to discipline yourself. You're going to be like a, a person in training. The idea that I think we, we should call to our minds in our own day is the, the, the athletes who devote themselves. Like this is, their, this is their job. They're not weekend warriors. They're not, they're not getting in a, a workout before, before they go to work. They're, they're training with their whole lives. They've devoted their lives to training. Old, the old, old, old translation says, exercise thyself unto godliness. Exercise, work hard, break a sweat, exert yourself, make every effort. These are, all, these are all words that are from the Bible about the Christian life. Work hard. Another helpful translation says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline. Beat, Paul talks about beating his body and making his body do what he wants it to do. Discipline, training, exercise for a particular purpose, for godliness. Godliness is, starts with a, a reverent fear and worship of God. Like, like it is where God really is God in your life. Like God is, God is spectacularly holy and, and fearsome and wonderful and you have devoted your life to God. And that, that works out in the way that you live where more and more you begin to reflect God's character in the world. You become like God, his character, his, his mercy and his justice and his righteousness and his separation from sin. That becomes more and more to characterize your life as you move forward. It, it begins with a, a fearful reverence of God. I worship God. I worship God as God. And it plays out in the way that we live where we reflect God. We become like God. We become like Jesus Christ. Now then look at the reason that Paul gives in verse 8. He says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So think about it this way. Bodily training has a little value. Some value. It can, it can make you not age as fast. It could enable you to compete in some kind of athletic endeavor. It could help you to stay healthy and fit. It could help you uh, be able to do uh, good things with your family and, and work properly. And, and so that, that's, a, that's a good thing. It's of a little value. 
godliness is of value in every way. Godliness improves your bodily health. I think that's a reality, that it, it changes the way that we treat our bodies and, and take care of our bodies. Not only that, it doesn't only have bodily benefits, it has spiritual benefits, that we are the inner man, the way Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5, is being built up. Even while the, the outer shell, the outer man is wasting away, the inner man is being built up. It changes the way that you approach work and leisure time. It changes the way that you work when you're at work. It changes the way that you rest when you rest. It changes the, the way that you changes the way that you interact with your family. It changes all your relationships. It improves your relationships. It improves your, your mental and emotional state of mind. It, it improves the way that you, you use your money and possessions. It improves your level of contentment that you have with what God has given you. These are all benefits of godliness. Godliness produces, produces the, right, the right ratio or the right balance or the right, right way to, to use money and work and family and, and, and your body and your spirit. And everything works together as a, as a totality where everything is, is working right. God is the one who created us and he is the one who knows how to make us work. If we become like him, we begin to act the way that he wants us to act and live the way that he wants us to live. Then it improves our lives. It makes our lives better. Godliness is, is good for us. Even, even when, we're going to memorize this verse in, in just a few weeks. Blessed are those when they're persecuted for righteousness sake. God has a way of training us so that everything works for our good. And he also says, not only, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Think of, a, think of an athlete who devotes himself to training. Think of somebody who, who re reaches the pinnacle of their sport. They win the championship. They not only win the championship, they win the MVP. They not only win the MVP, they enter into the Hall of Fame, and they, they know wealth and success and fame all their lives, and then they die, and thus ends the benefit of bodily training. Spiritual training, training in godliness, has benefits both for this present life and the one to come. He, no amount of training for godliness is wasted. When you're training for godliness, you are not wasting your time. So train yourself for godliness. Now then, this is the principle, and this is also be the principle for next week. Now, what I'm going to do now is to try to try to introduce you to a, to a basic routine, kind of using exercise, exercise, discipline, training. I'm going to give you a basic routine for pursuing godliness. Now, it's not, it's not a CrossFit routine, okay? It's not, it's not couch to 10K in one sermon, all right? Uh, it's what I want you to understand. This is for everybody. Like, this is not for a spiritual elite, and this is, not, this is not only for those who are just beginning. This is a routine, this is a way of approaching the Christian life and pursuing godliness that every believer ought to be pursuing, ought to be training. Now then, sometimes when, the, when, you're, uh, when you're starting these uh, exercise programs, they'll have a disclaimer, right? Make sure that you consult your physician, right? 
because you don't want to, you know, we don't want somebody who's really not ready for this program to start it, okay? I'm going to give you a couple of prerequisites. Think of this as like the disclaimer. These are the prerequisites for this program. You must be trusting in Jesus Christ for righteousness before God. So this week and next week, I'm going to be talking about activities, activities that we engage in, that we engage in wholeheartedly, that we exert ourselves in, that we make every effort in, that we, we put forth our, our, our strength into it. But we mustn't un- misunderstand what we're doing. There's no, there's no amount of exercising ourselves for godliness that makes us right with God. There's no amount of works that make us right with God. It is not, uh, we, have a, we have a forgiven status through faith in Jesus Christ. If, if, if you do not trust in Jesus Christ for righteousness and forgiveness before God while doing this program, you might be making yourself worse rather than better. You might be building self-righteousness instead of godliness. We start with trusting in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and righteousness before God. The other thing that we ought to be thinking about is relying on the power of God's Spirit. Jesus Christ gave us His Spirit. Now, what it feels like often is the way that it is described in the Bible, that we are, we are training, we are making every effort, we are exerting ourselves, we are beating our bodies. What we recognize is that the whole time that we are doing that, it is, it is the Holy Spirit who works in us so that we would will or desire these things, and He works in us the strength to pursue these things. So let's say that I actually do, like I, like I, I, like I take up this biblical program for spiritual fitness, that I am exercising myself unto godliness, that I'm really doing this. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm sweaty and I'm worn out. And who gets the glory for that? The Holy Spirit does. It's the Spirit of God who is at working in us. So we give God the credit. These are spiritual prerequisites. And these are twin themes that come out in almost every sermon. I would say they come out in every sermon. They come out in almost every sermon. But we need to be relying upon these. And if you're not relying upon these things, this is where to start. Come Come talk to a pastor. I would say you would come for a physical, but that might sound a little scary, okay? We will help you, though. We will help you. We'll help you understand what it means to be right with God. We'll understand, help you understand what it means to, to rely on the Spirit. And, and we'll help you understand the good news that, that, that we have righteousness in Christ and that we have power through God's Spirit. Now then, one simple thing. This, we're only looking at one simple part of the program. I initially wanted one sermon. Looks like it's going to have to be a split routine. I don't know if there are any exercise geeks in here who know what that is. But we're looking at two in two parts. We're going to start with one part today. Just one simple part. It's not a, it's not, it's not a CrossFit routine. It, it's one simple part that every single person who has the righteousness of Christ and the power of the Spirit can do. Hearing God's Word with God's people. Hearing God's Word with the church. That's where we're going to start. I think that you might think you know what that is. I think that a lot of people don't know what that is. So I want you to listen carefully. Don't think, hey, I already got this. Like, I'm one of the ones who showed up today, all right? That, that's, that's great. I'm glad you're here. I thank God for you. 
I think you can be doing more to maximize and get more out of, out of, out of this than maybe you are right now. So we're going to start with hearing God's word with the church. Now, you can turn to Romans 10, 13 through 17. If you're not a skilled Bible flipper, you can just listen carefully. We're going to look at Romans 10, 13 through 17. This, this uh, discipline or this way of training, this help to those who want to grow in godliness, this hearing God's word with the church, this is rooted in the scriptures. Look at Romans 10, 13 through 17. That's what it says. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is, this is primarily about initial faith, but I don't think it applies only to initial faith or converting faith. The recognition is, is that faith comes through hearing the word. So certainly we could say that, that people could read the Bible and come to faith, but most often people at some point before they come to Jesus Christ, they hear God's word. They hear it proclaimed. They might not even hear it from a, a preacher, so to speak, or a pastor, but they hear it proclaimed from someone. Someone proclaims the gospel to them. That's what the word of Christ is. They, they hear it proclaimed. In fact, people cannot come to faith in Christ without the Word of God. Normally, without hearing it preached to them or proclaimed to them. How essential the hearing of God's Word is. Some people think it's no big deal. It's the absolute necessary precondition for faith. It is the, it is the way that faith comes to people. It's the way that faith is increased. It's the, way that, it's the way that people train for godliness by hearing God's word. Now then, I want to show you that this is, this is not just for initial faith. It is for the continuation of the Christian life and for the maturing of making a person look like Jesus Christ. So flip over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 14. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 14. That's what it says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So you look there at verse 11, you have this, this list of apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. I think the way that Ephesians 
teaches this, is the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and, and the continuation of this happens through pastors who are acting as evangelists and pastors and teachers. These are all, though, gifts to the church that center on the proclamation of God's word and the teaching of God's word. And look at what the purpose is. So that the saints, the saints, and saints applies to all believers. The saints would all be equipped for ministry, all be able to do ministry, all be able to serve, be able to build up the body of Christ, attain to the unity of the faith, that we'd all be, that we'd all be believing the same essential things. We all need to be believing the same essential doctrines, the same essential teachings of the Christian faith. The knowledge of the Son of God. We need, we, need, we need to be taught, we need teachers, and we need to be taught so that we would all know Jesus Christ. There's more to know about Jesus. There's more that we can know. There's more that we should know. There's more that we, that as we and as we behold Jesus Christ, we're being transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. We're being made like Jesus. We know Jesus. That's what he says next, to mature manhood. Look, look at verse 13. If, if you're looking at the page, he says, till all attain to the unity of the faith. All to mature manhood. All, listen to this, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can you think of, think of a, a little child growing up? Wants to grow up to be like somebody. Wants to grow up to be like big brother or be like daddy or, or be like somebody, be like some, some athlete or something like that. I want to grow up. We are, we are training by hearing God's word so that we will grow up to the stature of Jesus Christ. Now in real life, Jesus Christ might have been, you know, pretty average height. But when it comes to training for godliness, Jesus is the one that we want to be conformed to spiritually. We want to be godly like he was. The way that Jesus Christ lived every moment of his life out of reverence for the Father and reflecting the Father's character, that's what we're going for. Added on to that is the fact that by training this way, we won't be tossed back and forth by all kinds of false doctrine or false teaching. We won't get tripped up. Nobody will deceive us. No one will no one have a scheme, any kind of scheme that will be able to, to, to take us away from following Jesus Christ. So see how central hearing the Word of God is. Now normally, in Paul's day, where would people have heard the Word of God? They would have heard it in the gathering of the church. Church, the word church in the Bible means something like congregation, gathering, assembly, come together to hear God's Word. Now there are lots of auxiliary ways that, praise God, we have access to. God intends, though, that we would hear his word with the church. That we would be under, even see here, that we would be under the leadership of those who are watching over us. The way that Hebrews 13, 17 says, they were watching over our souls. So we ought to be, we ought to make it a, a habit or our pattern of life to be gathering with God's people to hear God's word. It means that we have to attend church. And I think we should try to do it with a lot of consistency. Uh, one of the best ways I ever saw it put was, was that, that by God's grace, 
unless providentially hindered. That is, unless, unless there's something in our lives that, that prohibits us from gathering with God's people, that we would attend the meetings of the church. That was, that was like a church covenant, church membership agreement kind of thing. By God's grace, unless providentially hindered, that is, if, if God go, unless God governs circumstances keep us from it, we would gather with the church week by week. Now, we meet every Sunday to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we come together to hear God's word. We ought to be committed to that. It ought to be a pattern of our lives. Now then, uh, I know you're going to get sick. I know that your children are going to get sick. I know sometimes you're required to work. I know, that, I know that there are lots of, lots of circumstances that, that might come up that are outside of our control. But unless providentially hindered, unless God-governed God circumstances keep us from gathering with the church, we're going to gather with the church. We're going to be there with God's people to hear God's word. Now, I don't want you to feel any unjustified guilt. If you didn't come to church sometime, you know what I think? I think might be sick, might have had to work, might even had a vacation. And if you took a vacation and it took you over a weekend, I'm going to tell you, I thank God you have vacation, okay? So, so I, I, I think, I don't want you to think of like some kind of harsh taskmaster, you know, Andy, Pastor Andy's thinking bad thoughts about me because I'm not there. I'll tell you what I'm also concerned about. I'm concerned for your spiritual health. You, you, you don't come because, you know, uh, we're just kind of taking a break. Uh, you know, we're in that season where athletic activities are really big or, you know, it's hunting season or something like that happens. I'm concerned for your spiritual health. And so I want you to be, and let me just kind of suggest a way to do this, all right? Under ordinary circumstances... You are committed to a local church where you are under the oversight of leaders who are watching out for your souls, where you are, you are participating in loving other people by sharing gifts with them and working with them, and you go and attend with that people and you hear God's word. If you can't do that, then you do your best to find some other gathering, say you're on vacation or you're at work, and you, you do your best to gather with God's people somewhere as a, as a last resort. It's even okay. Gather with as many of God's people as you can and, and let, hear God's word. We want to devote ourselves week by week to hearing God's word. And under normal circumstances, that's going to be with the church that we have joined ourselves with, that we have partnered with, that we have committed ourselves to, to hear God's word. Let me just give you another test. And I think this will be uh, especially important for our fathers and husbands to hear. When I woke up on Sunday mornings growing up, I never asked my dad, are we going to church today? Never. My mom never asked my dad, are we going to church today? Never. Never in all my memory. I, and in fact, we went to every regular meeting there was. I praise God for that heritage. I, I, I hope that your family also has that heritage. That when your children wake up, they know we're gathering with the church today. 
You want to know what like, like youth and children's ministry looks like? I tell you what, it starts there. All right. Uh, now I tell you the truth. One time, my kids did get up, and uh, they asked me if we were going to church that day, and I said no, because it was Saturday. <laughs> so that can happen. But I hope that that will be an indication. That will be a measure of, is this a habit of our family? Is this something that we're committed to? Is this where, something we're working on? Is this, is this something that we have disciplined and trained ourselves to? Now then, uh, I'm going to just pause for a second and let you feel a little bit okay with yourself, okay? Because you are the people who showed up today, all right? So, but I also want you to see that it's not just about attending with your body. It's about attending with your whole being. Flip over to Luke 8.18. Luke 8.18. Luke 8, 18. It's a short verse. Listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking, speaking to his disciples. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you have some knowledge of the Son. You have a knowledge of Jesus Christ. You have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You're trusting in Him. If you, if you listen carefully, then, then you just keep adding to that. You keep getting to know the Son more. You keep getting to know the Father more. You keep getting to know God's Word more. You keep adding and adding and adding. If you're, if you're careful how you hear, you keep adding and adding and adding to your knowledge. You keep adding and adding to, the, to your godliness. You keep adding and adding to the ways that you demonstrate uh, God's character in the world and the way that you look like Jesus Christ. You keep, you keep adding and adding and adding. What happens if you hear carelessly? As many of those who listened to Jesus' parables, they were listening in a very careless way. Even the knowledge that they had would be taken away from them. Uh, a, a, a couple of years ago, uh, I ran a marathon. And I thought that it would be hard, and I was right. Uh, do you think that I stayed up the night before and binged on Netflix? Hey, sometimes kids keep you up at night. But if I'm, I'm thinking about hearing God's word carefully, that changes how I prepare Saturday night. That changes how I think about my whole life. I, I'm thinking, like, like on, on Monday, and this is not just because I'm a pastor. On Monday, I'm thinking about the people of God and the word of God for the next Sunday. We all ought to be doing that. We ought to be careful about what we just heard and what we're about to hear. We ought to, we ought to come. We're not just attending with our bodies. We are attending with our minds. You are worshiping right now. If you, if you are listening with your mind with a desire for obedience and a desire to be affected and transformed by the word of God, you are worshiping right now. When I was first starting to get into ministry, there, there was a big thing about, about participatory worship. 
wanted people to get up and move around a little bit more, and, and that, that's all fine, whatever. If you're not participating right now, wake up and start participating. Be careful how you hear. If you're not careful now, even what you have will be taken away. Be careful. Shape your Saturdays. Shape your weeks so that you are ready as much as possible, as much as God-given circumstances will allow to hear God's word. Make the most of it. Get, get Ingest as much as you can. Digest as much as you can. Live this out in your life as much as you can. Make, make, your, make your, your, your purpose coming to hear God's word to, to, to get every, every drop of God's word that you can. Every, every doctrine that is sung, every scripture that's read, every, every scripture that's memorized, everything that is preached, everything that is applied, everything that people say to one another before and after church, makes, get everything out of it. Be careful how you hear. And you know what? We don't only come to church to hear. We also come to church to speak. Flip over a couple other passages. Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When you come to church, you're, you're, I'm not the only one who is supposed to prepare to speak God's word today. We were all supposed to be preparing all week to teach and admonish one another. At the very least, we are teaching and admonishing one another with our singing. That, that gives us a, a certain impetus to be engaged with our minds while we sing, to, to sing, to sing with, 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 full voice, to, to sing with joy, to sing so that other people would hear and be taught and encouraged and admonished and built up to be like Jesus Christ. But I think it's not only that. If we're letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, then we're going to be ready to, to dispense some of those riches to other people. To be ready to speak God's word, sing God's word to other people. We're going to, we're going to uh, again, maybe a little funny word to use, but I want you to get, oh, we want to be here either a little before and or a little after. We want to be stalking people to share God's word with them. We're looking for ways to build other people up. We're looking for needs to be met. We're, we're thinking about, uh, especially, I especially want to say to church members, if you're here, you're not a guest anymore. You're a host. You're looking to be a host. You're looking to show hospitality. You're, you're looking for people who need, to, who need to be cared for, who need to be spoken to, who need to be encouraged. Maybe, it, and I'm not saying that it's always wrong to just ask somebody how their week was. Sometimes asking people how their week was is the way that you move toward helping them 
and praying for them and speaking God's word to them. But we ought to be looking for ways to do that. Let's look at another passage along the same lines. It's our last passage we'll look at. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Last, last verse we'll look at today. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And sometimes this verse is used uh, to, to encourage attending church or being with the church and there's certainly some encouragement there but I want you to focus on the other parts consider were, were you this week considering were you thinking were you were you working and thinking out how am I going to find a way to stir somebody else up to love and good works if you didn't, you didn't obey this passage of Scripture. Right? Am I right in making that connection? Con consider. Consider. Let's not be apathetic attenders. Let's consider how am I going to stir someone else up to love and good works. We're going to meet together. What's going to be my contribution? What am I going to do to stir other people up to love and good works? And, and, and look, at the, look at verse 25. He says, encouraging one another. We, get, we have to speak to one another, encourage one another, and build one another up. We've got we to try and, so much of Hebrews is about continuing and enduring. We've got to encourage one another to keep going in the race, to keep, to keep pushing on after Christ. In some ways, just being here is an encouragement. Look at all the people who value God's word and love Jesus Christ. That's an encouragement. But we ought to be thinking, considering, how am I going to encourage other people? How am I going to encourage other people? How am I going to train for godliness? How am I going to discipline myself? It doesn't, it doesn't begin or end on Sunday. It's always this pattern. It's always the, the beginning of the week, throughout the week. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. We all ought to be thinking. This is for everybody. We are thinking, how can I show love? Stir people up to love, encourage people, stir people up to love and good works. What can I, what can I say to encourage somebody? And then, and then, and then it all comes and it, it, it terminates on Sunday. It, it, it comes on somebody. It, it, it comes to help somebody. I'm speaking God's word to somebody. I'm hearing God's word. I'm being built up. I'm maturing myself. And then, and then Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings in our gatherings is a great time to launch more ministry. So, so 
I've now, I now have people that I'm connected to. I now have people that I know. How can I, how can I find a way to love them all through the week? How can, I, how can I find a way to share God's word with them all through the week? How can I find a way to stir them up to love and good deeds all through the week? How can I, how can I find a way to do that? We need to, God's word, the way that Paul said it in, in Ephesians 4, was that God's word keeps us from the deceitful schemes of the devil. We need to have our own schemes. We need our own schemes of how am I going to stir other people up to love and good works. So scheme, consider, think, meditate, ponder. How am I going to hear God's word? I'm going to think about how this changes your life. It's going to, if you take this seriously, it really does look like discipline. Because it changes the way you, you plan your work and leisure time. It changes the way you plan your life. It changes, changes the way that you read your Bible. Changes the way, changes the way that you pray. Changes, it changes the, the way, it changes what time you go to sleep on Saturday night. It changes these things. It changes how you plan. And, and cert, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I, I got to be real careful here because I'm the one standing up here and you guys are the ones taking care of the kids out there, okay? I know that, all right? Even changes the way, though, you plan, though. You, you can plan the night before. I know that's easier said than done. Please, please don't be mad at me. I'm just saying we could do that. Very, very, I have a lot of trepidation talking about that. Anyway, we could do that, right? It changes, if we, if we discipline ourselves, it changes the way we think about that. Okay. So, we're just talking about going to church and hearing God's word. But we're not just talking about going to church and hearing God's word. We're talking about training for godliness. About training to be like Jesus Christ. We're about helping other people train to be like Jesus Christ. And so let's discipline ourselves. Let's devote ourselves. Let's train. Let's exercise. And grow to become like Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, uh, none of what your word commands can be done apart from your spirit and nothing that we would do would ever work to make ourselves right with you or to pay you back for what you've done for us and yet we do long to work God you've given us new desires you've given us your word your spirit inspired word you have given us holy desires spirit inspired spirit spirit produced uh, desires spirit illuminated thoughts so that we would do ministry. Please equip us. Please build us up. Please make us like Jesus Christ. Please grant that this would be a, a whole church matter. That everyone who identifies with Jesus Christ, that we would all seek maturity. That we would all seek mature manhood in Jesus Christ. We would all seek to, to be built up in him. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Our, our substitute and our example and the one that we strive to be after and the one that we strive to please. We ask in his name. Amen.